Isaiah proclaimed that the birth of Jesus was going to be a sign, a special sign. We hear the same echo throughout prophecy as an angel later on announced the birth of Jesus before he was born or right at the time he was born. And the angel came and spoke to the shepherds and said this in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 12. When he spoke to the shepherds, by the way, he probably scared the wits out of them. On a dark night, all of a sudden, an angel appeared to them. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for the people. Joy was what we talked about last week, huh? The angel was gathering this stuff together and bringing it. He says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. Bing! The light just went off again in their hearts. A sign to you. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. That was the first sign. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. They might have all of a sudden had that Holy Spirit connection with Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that said, Here's the sign. The angel is telling us the sign is being revealed to us today. I bet they could have been shocked, surprised, amazed. It was about God's divine intervention, his investment in, his direct involvement in human history. It's unmatched ever, anywhere. All the things that have been not just prescribed, but accomplished through the prophecies that were spoken so long before. God always moves us forward. He always has a purposeful plan in place. Amen? He has always spoken, and he's always used signs in many different ways to get our attention and deliver messages to people. When people hear prophecy, when they witness something that is accompanying a sign as proof that what was said is true and real, I think that we need to pay real close attention to what was actually said so that we can glean and gather and understand and it can really support our life. The family of Jesus experienced a lot of major signs in their lifetimes. Absolutely. Over and over again. And I bet that they were taking special notice. As a matter of fact, remember Mary? What she said in Luke, he, she said, Mary treasured these things up and pondered them in her heart. The signs were real to her. She understood them. She recognized them. She had heard from an angel herself, and she was ready to receive. But she wasn't the only one involved in this series. When we look at all these prophecies and how they're all accomplished, what was another sign about Jesus being the Messiah. Well, this might be an odd one for some of you, but Jesus was a borrower. What? Wasn't he involved in creation? Think about it. Jesus was a borrower. He owned nothing and owed nothing. I tell you what, he did own it all but he didn't own anything that we think about as possessions. 
He didn't need possessions to keep himself going. He had all the resources he needed. He knew where they were at. He helped create the world. Put it all together. He borrowed a manger for his bed. He borrowed a stable for his shelter. He borrowed lunch from a boy to feed 5,000 people. A boat from which to preach. A donkey on which to ride into Jerusalem. He had to borrow a tomb at his death. His whole life, Jesus was a borrower. He even borrowed a dad. What? His dad's name, just so you guys know, because some of you might not know this, his dad's name was Joseph Jacobson. How do you like that? Did you know that? He was Jacob's son. So I called him Joseph Jacobson. Yeah, just kind of tied together in my mind. I don't know about yours. What a wise choice it was when God chose Joseph Jacobson to be the father, to be the dad, to be the loving caregiver, the one that Jesus needed in life. Oh, yes, he had an amazing mom. But you know what? God chose a choice dad. He wasn't just a carpenter. He was chosen to be the dad, the loving dad, the borrowed dad of God's only begotten son. Even the influence of a borrowed dad has important impacts on a son. And if any of you have been involved in something like adoption, you know the power that a father can have in those situations. But this was special. Let's look at what we know about Joseph Jacobson. I'm just using that for your help. Connecting with this guy, he was special in these ways. Number one, the first thing that we know about him was that he was a direct descendant of Abraham and King David. Well, how do you know these things? Why is that important anyway? There were over 300 specific prophecies written over hundreds and hundreds of years that spoke about the life of Jesus through the voices of men and of angels alike. They painted a picture of Jesus' birth, his life, and his death and resurrection, even details like who he would be related to. Here's one example about Joseph in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. It says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. I love that. And Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. You guys, a lot of you know the New Testament, and you know Jesus is our righteousness. He paid the price for our sins. He gave us the gift of righteousness to be our own because we put our trust in him. Here it comes. This is what it says in Isaiah 11, verses 1 and verse 5. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Verse 5. Righteousness will be his belt 
and faithfulness the sash around his weight, waist. That's my weight, his waist. The Gospels tell how prophecy was fulfilled in so many perfect ways. Check out Jesus' genealogy, which is where I got the name Jacobson from. It's the story of Jesus from beginning to end. He begins the genealogy in Matthew, saying this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I'm going to jump forward. It says, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Luke chapter 2, verse 4 says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Woohoo! Now that's a connection, huh? Again, it's revealing the fact that this line was put in place hundreds of years earlier, spoken of earlier, and now it is coming to fullness in who Jesus was. But it came through Joseph, his borrowed dad. Matthew then tells of us a second reason why God chose Joseph to be his only son's dad. Number two, Joseph was faithful to God's law. Hmm. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 say this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law you notice that word there, because? He was chosen because one of the reasons was he was faithful to God's law. Joseph Jacobson was faithful to God's law. Was there a reason why God might have chosen him? That was one reason. Not only was he a part of the family of David and even the family of Abraham, not only was he in line there, but he was faithful to God's law. God knew that about him. Is it starting to make a little bit of sense to you? I hope so because there's more. Check it out. Number three, Joseph was caring for others. I love this about him. That's why we're talking about love today. Joseph was one who loved, and we're going to hear a little bit about it because I believe God saw way deeper into Joseph than simple faithfulness or simply being a part of this amazing family line. He, God, recognized his caring heart. Check this out. Notice how he cared for Mary's well-being. Matthew 1.19 because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, to a Jewish man, oh my goodness, if his wife was suddenly pregnant and she wasn't his wife yet and he knew he hadn't been with her, there was something that he said could have been going on in that situation that wasn't good and he was out of there. The engagement would have been over. Bam. She must have found someone else. Really. 
Joseph could have dealt with Mary in a way as to expose her and say, what kind of a girl are you anyway? He may have said something like, no one treats Joseph Jacobson like that ever. But that's not what happened here. God knew his heart. There was no cheating in either one of their hearts. Joseph didn't want her to even be disgraced. Even seeing this thing that had happened, he was greatly disturbed. But God knew that Joseph was loving and caring, so God was willing to send an angel to him. Aren't you glad? Because God was again demonstrating his love towards Joseph and towards Mary and towards Jesus. Love. Look what happened. God sent another angel. This time, let's look at verses 20 and 21. He wanted to reinforce what Mary had been telling him. Because Mary had been saying, I've been cheating on you. He's going, right. How do you tell? Come on. That's not what happened here. Verse 20 and 21 says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. In Hebrew, the name that she said was Yeshua. Jesus, Yeshua. Because he will save, that's what Yeshua means in Hebrew, save his people from their sins. He didn't say he would save them from the Roman government. He said Jesus was coming to save them from their sins. Have any of you ever sinned? Three people raised their hands. I'm going to pray for you guys. You know what it says about Joseph's connection to God? God is the Lord of love. And he knew Joseph was going to demonstrate that same kindness towards Mary, and he was going to, the same, he was going to give the same love to his son Jesus. So he said, I'm going to choose a man like you, who not only is in the line of Abraham and David, not only is he faithful to my law, but guess what? He's a man who cared. That was powerfully important to God, that he would choose a daddy for his son. Yes, Mary was highly favored, but so was Joseph. From God's all-knowing perspective, by the way, he was a carpenter. He was a spiritually and physically steady and sturdy, strong man, a man of great worth. He was valuable in many spiritual dynamics. As a matter of fact, we also know number four, Joseph was obedient to God's message. He wasn't just faithful to the law. He was obedient to the message to God's message given him. Look what it says in verses 22 to 25 here in Matthew 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name, the name that is above every name, the name Jesus, Yeshua, our Savior. You heard that right. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. He obeyed. How are you doing in your life? Is obedience something that is valued highly to you in your personal life, in your family life, in your work life? Are you obedient to the right kind of things? Not just faithful to the law, but obedient, caring, See how God chose Jacob? He had all of these different aspects of who he wanted his son to be found with. A dad, a borrowed dad that would be able to invest in his son and love his son and care for him and build him and help him and strengthen him. Wasn't going to give up. He was obedient. Parents usually celebrate when a child is obedient, right? That must have just gone right over some of your heads. Because <laughs> when a kid is obedient, what happens? I heard someone say laugh, right? No, no, no. They celebrate it. They're thankful for it. They're glad for it. They're thankful that this child obeyed. When they don't obey, what happens? Never mind. You don't have to go there. What happens when a child obeys is it brings things together. It helps the parent to say what I'm teaching is making sense and they're beginning to do the things that are of value. According to Scripture, obedience is a significant part. And I can't give you all the Scriptures, but it's an important part of godliness. I did put a bunch of Scriptures, by the way, in your outline. So if you're following along in your outline or you have it for later, you'll be able to look up those Scriptures and see how important obedience is to godliness and what God wanted us to be and do. So Joseph's obedience is revealed, and Matthew commended it by calling it out and saying what it was. I love that. What do you think about Joseph? Do you think he's really... Uh, a lot of people overlook him, right? Because they're looking at Mary. Do you think he was an amazing kind of guy? I think he was more amazing than most people give him credit for. And I think that's why God chose him from the beginning. So far, we know that Joseph was a direct descendant of Abraham and King David. We know that Joseph was faithful to the law. We know that he was caring for others. We know that he was obedient to God's message. Things are kind of stacking up in his favor, aren't they? But we're not done. Finally, we uncover another dynamic part of Joseph's humble strength, which is tagged together with obedience, and it is number five. Joseph was receptive to God's continued leading. He didn't just say yes once and say, that's good enough. He wanted to continue to walk with, to learn, to be able to enjoy the leading of God's Spirit in his presence. Wow. I think Joseph's life engine was probably hitting on all cylinders right about then. 
He was a traveling man who always went up to Jerusalem for all the different celebrations that they had, the feasts that took place annually. He went to Bethlehem just to be counted. He even took his family on a long vacation trip to Egypt. That was before there was any planes, trains, or automobiles, right? Let alone cruise ships pulling into port. Why? He was staying faithful to God's remembrances and promises and promptings of the law. He was listening to angel messages in his dreams that were telling him about this Jesus. i got to tell you this passage. It's powerfully important because it demonstrates all of those things again together in this one passage about what Joseph went through and did to be the borrowed dad of God's only son. If you want to look in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 23, you can follow along with me because here it's talking about the Magi at first. These wise men that we'll be talking about next week. Verse 13 and following. When they, that was the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. That just happened already once, right? This is another time, second time. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so fulfilled, here's another one, so fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. Another fulfillment of Scripture. When Herod realized he had been duped, I mean outwitted, by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years, of old, two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what is said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice, another fulfillment of Scripture. A voice, I don't like this part by the way. You see it. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. What an evil man. Yeah? Now after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Does this sound familiar to any of you by any chance? An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in Egypt. He didn't just have his eyes on him when he was in Bethlehem or didn't just have his eyes on him when he was up north. He had his eyes on him all the time and said, get up and take the child. Doesn't that sound like the first time? Get up and take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, 
He was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a... Oh my goodness, it's happening again. In a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be a Naz, called a Nazarene. You know, I love God's willingness to communicate in different ways to people. How has God communicated to you? Or maybe I should say, how have you listened for God's voice? Because he wants to talk to you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to hope that maybe someday it could happen when you get to heaven. He's waiting for us now. He's calling us to himself today because he loves us here now. He doesn't want us to have to find out about the goodness of his grace and his love someday. He wants us to have that today. He wants us not to know about that love, but to be in a relationship that is filled with that love. Amen? Maybe it's according to how they're willing to listen that God speaks to them. In this passage, God was showing love to his royal family by communicating through dreams just to keep them safe. Here's a question for you. What would God have to do to actually get your attention and keep it long enough to give you an important message? Think about it. What would God have to do to actually get your attention and keep it long enough to give you an important message? Maybe send an angel? What would God have to do? He already gave us his word. He's already given us the Holy Spirit. So are we listening? Are we hearing? Are we able to respond as Joseph Jacobson was responding? Are we willing to take on the rights and responsibilities and privileges of being in the family of God? Are we willing and ready to walk with him and enjoy him like Joseph had chosen to do and God knew about it? What a detailed process God had to go through to redeem the people of Israel for himself. But it wasn't just Israel. It was you and me that he did this for. He had to provide a way of salvation because we couldn't earn it on our own. Just because you're good does not take away the bad. If you commit a crime, you're going to be punished no matter how many good times you try and act like you're being before you have to go to jail. You still have to pay for the crime, right? A sign of God's love was he used a man, Jacob, son. His name was Joseph. To be the father of his son, to demonstrate his love to all of us today. You know this scripture. It's from John 3, 16 and 17. I'm going to read both verses for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's a song that goes, Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? You guys know that song? It's called a hymn. <laughs> Purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity. For the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Amen? It is his wonderful grace, the grace of Jesus. In your outlines, you'll probably see this. I think I put it in there. James Montgomery Boyce wrote in The Christ of Christmas. That was a book he wrote. He wrote this. Jesus endured a human birth to give us a new spiritual birth. He occupied a stable that we might occupy a mansion. He had an earthly father and mother so we might have a heavenly father. He became subject so that we might be free. He left his glory to give us glory. He was poor that we might be rich. He was hunted by Herod that we might be allowed to be delivered from the grasp of Satan. That is the great paradox of the Christmas story. It is that, that which makes it irresistibly attractive. It is the reversal of roles at God's cost for our benefit. Oh, wonderful grace of Jesus. So what, Pastor Lloyd? Is it significant to know that jo Joseph, God's chosen dad for his only begotten son, was real? Sure. We should recognize, acknowledge, and honor God's choice for Jesus' mom and dad, right? They were his choice to allow his son to come into this world so that we could have his wonderful grace demonstrated and given to us. That's love. You guys have heard this today. This is what we know about Joseph Jacobson. He was a direct descendant of Abraham and King David. He was faithful to God's law. He was caring for others. He was obedient to God's message. And Joseph was receptive to God's continued leading. How are you doing? Can you see your strengths and shortcomings in what, Jesus, what Joseph was? How does this call you to go deeper in your relationship with God? How will you allow God to use you? Father, I thank you for the preciousness of your love and grace demonstrated to us, proclaimed to us, offered to us in love. I thank you that Joseph was a man after your choosing, a good man that chose your way and honored your son 
I thank you, Lord, for using him for your best and for allowing us through him to be blessed. I pray that we will choose to walk in your ways, honor our relationship with you, and help others to discover your love. Even in the middle of our strengths and shortcomings, Lord, I pray that we will be ready to choose to stand up and become a little more like Joseph and in that way become more like Jesus, fulfilling your plan in us. Do it, Lord. We need you this Christmas. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. We've been challenged today. I want you to take your notes home with you and go over them because we have been challenged to be that kind of person that Joseph was and to be someone that God can use because he wants to use each and every person to reach someone who doesn't know Jesus. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. Common people filled with the Holy Spirit, with the good news that Jesus Christ, Messiah, saves. Amen? We've heard the word. We prayed. We've been in song. We've been in worship. We're going to continue our worship by the giving of our tithes and our offerings right now. If the ushers would prepare. Earlier, I asked you to, to use this communication card. If you can please Fill this out. Put it in the offering. We are going to pray with you. We are going to rejoice with you. We are going to lift up your needs. So put your communication card in here, um, the offering when it comes through this morning. But right now, let's pray. Father God, we count it great joy to be in your presence corporately, Father God. We have one voice together, a strong voice. And this voice says, we worship Almighty God through his son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, the Messiah, the Savior, by the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And we thank you and rejoice that we can give back a portion financially of what you have blessed us with to manage on this earth. It belongs to you. And we give it to you and let go of it so that you can do your work through First Church to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to anybody who comes this way. Father, we thank you for your love. Help us to love others all the way to the cross. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. <laughs>